since joining the Foot Collective, I have been mostly barefoot. I have hardly worn shoes and my feet don't like shoes now. It's, they've changed, so much has changed since, since um, going barefoot, but it, it, they just don't like being in case, let alone my old cowboy boots and my Converse, which is what I lived in before, cowboy boots. I loved them, but just so different now. That my feet, there's no way they would let me be in them. This week's story from the soul comes from Michelle Boniface, a reflexologist and mother from the UK. Michelle found the Foot Collective after reaching a pivotal point in her life that forced her to seriously consider her health. As someone who already worked with feet for a living, she immediately resonated with our mission, but her journey over the past year has been truly transformational. Michelle has become a true foot nerd, embracing every aspect of TFC's philosophies and passing what she's been learning onto her two young boys. She ditched her unnatural footwear, embraced ground living in her home, and even traded her bed for a mattress on the floor to bring her closer to the earth and reconnect her with a more natural lifestyle. While these may seem like extreme moves for some, Michelle believes these changes have helped her rediscover a love for her body. As someone who has suffered chronic back pain for more than two decades, she believes these simple lifestyle and mindset tweaks, along with a playful approach to movement, have helped her finally start to see improvements. In this chat, we discuss all of the above, plus how she's empowering her own kids to make choices about their health and the benefits it's had for their family as a whole. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for joining me on the Restore to Explore podcast. Uh, this one's been a little bit of a, a long time coming, uh, so I'm glad we're finally getting to have this chat. And yeah, it's another story from the soul. So these are little chats we have with members of our community uh, just to hear their stories. The, the idea being that everyone's journey to foot freedom is different. Everyone has a different background of how they discovered the Foot Collective and yeah, how they connected with all of us. And we just like to sit down and have a chat so that hopefully someone out there resonates with your story and uh, yeah, gets them on their own path. So thank you very much for joining me. What time is it where you are, first of all? Um, it's now 11.30 p.m. And it's 8.30 a.m. here in Australia. So <laughs> thank you for, uh, for staying up late for the chat. But I guess we'll just start, Michelle, by giving us a bit of background. Where are you and, and what's home? And can you tell me sort of how you found the Foot Collective? Yeah, so I'm in uh, the north of England in Yorkshire. Um, it's actually, I call it Bronte land. I don't know if you've heard of uh, the Bronte sisters who wrote like Wuthering Heights and all of that. So it's at the, um, the mecca of the writing world, so to speak. And it's beautiful. It's right on the moors. Um, and I'm here with my two children. I, they don't go to school. So they are my full-time job mainly. It's home educating mum. And my work is like holistic therapy. So, uh, but mainly reflexology, which is to do with feet. Um, and I'm also a, a um, kind of a mentor, an online coach for women as well. I have been for about six years, but I found the Foot Collective last year. I think it was only last year um, through some guy I followed on Instagram who's really good at dragon squats. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was uh, following some movement people and just, he was really inspirational. And I think he must've tagged you guys. And, and I went over and had a look and was it just. It wasn't Ren, was it? Yeah. 
It was. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the god of dragon squats. It would yeah. have to be. <laughs> yeah. And well, I'd been following him for a while, actually, I think, during the whole lockdown periods and sort of just saw him grow and um, just, yeah, just get better and stronger. And just, he's just a, he just seems such a genuine dude. And, um, and so then he must have tagged you and I kind of followed the trail as you do, like kind of um, found you all. And, and I think what appealed to me was um, obviously awesome content. That's normal, but I, I was trying to think about something that made me actually go to your website and look deeper into foot nerd training, because that's what I, I first went to. I didn't do anything else. I just went straight to that. Um, and I think it was just the talk of first principles. So somewhere in the caption must have mentioned these first principles and it was just like a big, uh, thing for me to, to see the first principles, which are for the foot, foot collective are the body is always healing it's self healing. And it's always adapting and responding to the inputs and specific, you know, for its environment. And that is my truth. And to sort of see other people saying that, especially over the last few years, it was just, I was like, I like this. This is, this is big. Um, and so I went over and had a little look about what, you know, what you had on. And um, I saw the foot nerd training and, and it appealed to me because I thought, oh, this could be, more information for me to you know to use in my own practice um for myself but also for my clients too because it's just a foot thing and it's funny because I didn't realize what it my feet are pain-free like I've got good feet I've always kind of been barefoot but I wasn't it exceeded my expectations which I'm sure you'll want to hear about in a minute but um uh yeah that was that was the main thing really because I'd also just before I I found, um, I sort of dived in, I'd had such a, a dark winter. So about this time last year, I was going through some stuff, <laughs> like we, we all going through some stuff, but I hit a particularly dark patch, like a really challenging patch. And I started to notice that I'd just become a bit more sluggish, really, you know, sedentary. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I was fully conscious of it, but I just started feeling older. Uh, and age has never been a thing for me. I've always thought, I don't care. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with aging. But at the end of January, I was 44. I hit, I got 44 and I suddenly felt it. <laughs> like I suddenly thought, I don't, I don't feel, I need to do something. Something needs to change. And along with this kind of like bit of a rock bottom I was going through, um, actually, I, I joined a gym in October. I think, right, I need to go to the gym. And I joined this CrossFit gym being quite out of shape, you know, heavier than I wanted to be and lovely gym. Can't fault it. They, they, they sort of like know everybody's name, just a really funky place to be. Gave me a four week plan and give me a personal trainer to, for each to go through the plan. But I hated it. <laughs> like I, I came away, I cried in the car every time I hated it. And, and I've always been like, I used to love sport. I've always been, I've run the London marathon and I've always been fairly fit I just found it so hard and not enjoyable because my body hurt. Like my body wasn't strong enough. It wasn't, but me being the person that doesn't want to be a victim and I just felt, I quit anyway after four weeks. I just didn't go back. And that was the shame of quitting this gym of like being his failure. Um, 
And so that just added to more to my little downtime at that particular time. And so um, as well as that, something with the age thing, I mentioned the age thing, I've never really paid, even though I'm into women's health massively and I help other women, I've never really paid much attention to the change of season that was coming, like this menopause that women have. Not really interested in that. It means I'm getting older. I've never, I've always like thought, nah, I'll deal with it when it comes. Um, and I've always just thought, well, I've never really made it into a big thing because I see all, you know, I'm seeing lots of things about menopause and it's almost sometimes treated a bit like a disease at the moment. And, and I've, I just, um, I don't know, all of this stuff has been coming up for me thinking, right, I need to start paying attention now. I am getting older. There's a season change coming. I need to look after my health and more than ever. And of course the last three years, three to four years, if I've learned nothing else is that I need to take responsibility for my health because the alternatives are like dire. Like I, I, I need to make changes. So anyway, so there's all this stuff come up and then, then I arrive in January and turn 44 at the end of January. Foot nerd training started the day after February the 1st. And I said to Ruth that last week, oh, I just, I, I ummed and hard and ummed and hard. But there was just a voice saying to me, like, you need to be surrounded by these people, especially after speaking to Ruth, who obviously um, directs the foot nerd training. And then getting a feel of you, I went sort of listening to podcasts that Nick was on and and had a little look about all of all of you really and thinking this is these are the people I want to be hanging around with, uh, even if it's online. I just need this. And then, of course, um, I started my footnote training and then <laughs> started Off huge, <laughs> yeah, huge change, huge change. Can you give people who don't know what footnote training is a bit of background on, I guess, your perspective on what it actually is? Yeah, well, when I first inquired about it and started looking, I didn't really know, if I'm honest. I just thought, oh, this is a little, this will keep me busy for a few months, get me um, an hour a day. So for 84 days, it's uh, 84 consecutive days, an hour a day being foot focused. Um, well, it's not actually about feet. It's so much more than feet, but body focused um, with, first of all, six weeks being looking at my own um, screening and looking at my own lower body health, basically, mm. and and also other habits. Um, and then for the following six weeks, actually look being trained into being able to present the 12, con um, 12 concepts, the first principles, and, and all the other things, an immense amount of information that's so valuable um, to be able to present that to other people and then teach a workshop which um, involved everything we were learning ourselves. Um, and the beauty of the footnote training was that we learned through experience more than anything. Obviously, there was information presented by physios, so it was proper grounded in truth information and uh, anatomy well not not an awful lot of anatomy but just lots of experiments to try and we we built up this practice of being having a daily practice where we would um, keep proof of work as well which means that we have to keep a daily log of what we were doing how our body felt what was working what we noticed and then over time um Almost for me, it is is still obviously it's not there's not an end point. That was just the beginning of blowing the whole thing open. But mm. it it's enabled me to become 
more of an expert of my own body. Actually, my own physio, <laughs> my own personal physio, my own uh, personal trainer as well, because it wasn't just about being told what to do. It was about being offered some experiments and then, and then, um, yeah, just, just being able to monitor that and, and see the progress and see the difference. And, and what I didn't mention at the beginning, actually, was sort of a big part of my story. <laughs> um, but in my twenties, I was diagnosed with, diagnosed with early degenerative disease. And I, I roll a little bit of that because I remember at the time thinking, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm early 20s, really, my lower back. So it's lower back. I've had pain in my lower back since as long as I can remember. Even putting my knickers on in the morning is a, um, I say it's, it's, it's normal to me now. So I just learned to have to do this thing where I like try and hook, <laughs> hook <laughs> my trousers on or hook whatever on. And that's normal. I've never chosen to the painkiller route. I've seen spine experts chiropractors, osteopaths, uh, physios, um, had an x-ray obviously. And also I've seen lots of weird and wonderful people. I've been done trauma work and energy work and all these, uh, things and nothing really has ever changed. Obviously, um, trying to strengthen it different ways, yoga type things, stretching it. And I've never got to the bottom of it, but I knew there's no way my body's going to degenerate. Well, my belief really is it degenerating <laughs> this early. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty damning, what, sorry, like that's, a, that's a damning diagnosis at that age. I mean, it's something we hear so often people, you know, they hear that from a health expert and, and that can even send them down a, a worse path when they, they get a yeah diagnosis like that, that sounds yeah. terminal. Absolutely. And I think, well, I'm just stubborn. So I'm almost like, I, I remember refusing it back then thinking, nah. Um, and, and they did go into it. I mean, there, I, I saw quite a few physios that I hadn't seen one for a long time because I kind of abandoned. I knew I would eventually get to the problem. I, I knew that at some point I was going to find something or do something, but I didn't know how. Um but I remember one physio, he, he was like, he had my leg up behind my neck and he was like, I can't understand what, because my flexibility was fine at the, back at the time. They could not understand what the problem was, um, even chiropractors. But um, one even suggested that it could be just in my head as in, you know, he didn't want to offend me and I wasn't offended. But what he meant was, you know, he was just clutching at straws really. And they offered sort of supplements and I took the muscle powder and all of these different um different things uh, but I kind of just resigned myself I thought oh, I'm just gonna have to live with this but it was it stopped me doing things like um I'm scared to jump uh or you know if I'm on uneven ground if I suddenly take a step and it's further down it feels like my back's gonna give away like it's not part of me thinks I'd probably be ignoring it as well just thinking la 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 it'll just go away but um it has affected my life really but I just thought I'll learn to live with it but what's happened since the obviously the three months of footner training is quite intense um and I was because the information is so I'm so passionate about it I wanted to do it it wasn't Mm. a chore it was like I really I'm all in on this I want to do it and of course part of that is looking at our squat our resting squat I can't I can do it get in a resting squat position my children can do it brilliantly but 
but I've learned, I thought that, oh, it might, it's because of my back. That was my first thought, kind of, because my back. I don't know why I said that, but it's because my back is the thing that hurts. Well, of course, I've learned about how my hips um, come into this, but I figured out that, and I figured this out. No one's told me. I figured it out through, oh, I, if I do that, that's connected to this, just feeling my way through this. Um, that it's my ankles, I think. <laughs> my ankle mobility. I, I never would have thought that it would be my ankles. Um, and I, I don't know, well, you haven't worn high heels, have you? I think it's because uh, I, I had, I had boots high heels such a, bit such of a lot. Heel. <laughs> so it's my, is that dorsiflexion that way? Yeah, yeah. So oh, did you? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that could be the thing. Well, I'm now it's like they, my ankles will not go that way and the years of wearing heels tottering around in heels for for decades because I used to kind of go I used to uh, I was brought up in a religion so we used to go to little meetings every week so by from the age of 15 16 I was wearing high heel shoes um and then work I, wearing them as well so so it's all been interesting but then since then because I'm learning more about the body in a way I've never really done before. I'm learning about it. I'm taking responsibility and learning. I'm doing things. I'm thinking, this is better. This is better. My back is better. <laughs> so I've removed my bed. Um, people say, when I say that, they say, where do you sleep then? I have got, I've got a mattress on the floor. So I've taken away the bed. I've taken away the table and chairs in my house. That used to be in here. That was week three, I think. I, I just learned about ground living and footwear training. I thought, I'm doing this. Um, and so I sit on the floor and I'm up and down, up and down. And so all of these, sorry, there's quite a lot I'm saying here, but it, all of these things, I'm piecing together my own jigsaw puzzle and thinking, gosh, I know that I can heal my back or at least really manage this so that it can hopefully adapt in a better way for me. And what you're describing is really, it's something that's at the core of everything that we try and promote, but all it is, is stripping away the unnatural inputs, like you you mentioned with the first principles and putting in you know, or returning to more natural inputs, whether it's the high heels, whether it's the table and chairs. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with sitting at a chair for, you know, 30 minutes or 15 minutes when you're on the bus or whatever it may be, or you're driving to work. But the act of just removing those from your environment encourages you to do all of these different movements. Even with the bed on the floor, you're having to get down to the floor mm-hmm. to sleep and you're having to get back up and it may not seem like much but mm. you add that all up over a lifetime of movement and every time that you're getting down to sit on the ground to eat or you're walking around barefoot as opposed to walking up on a hill it's not just one thing but if you can combine all of those unnatural inputs and, and take them out of your life within a day, you, you've really added all of these extra movements without actually having to go to the CrossFit gym and absolutely yeah. pound your body. It's just about integrating that into your daily life. And, you know, foot nerd training um, is on pause at the moment. It, it's currently in a, a restructure process, but a lot of the elements of what you're describing are at the core of the Explorer program that we're currently running in the community. It's sort of a 
a micro version of the footnote training, a more condensed version, a 42-day journey. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're all at the core of what we're trying to do. And there's a lot of people who have had, you know, quite similar experiences to you. It always like really astounds me when we see people in our community, you know, sharing photos of their ground living space or uh, their new, you know, wardrobe full of natural footwear. And mm. it's, it's so great to see, you know, how much people latch onto this because, they are, like you said, quite an, it's quite a big concept to wrap your head around when you've been so used to the environments that, you know, that we're all used to in the modern environments with chairs and um, heeled shoes and whatever it may be. And you feel like the weirdo for, uh, for doing it initially. But, mm. you know, I guess being around people, whether it's on the foot nerd training or in the Explorer program, being around other people that are doing it is, it's super empowering. And then, like you yeah, said, totally. you know, you're able to, to be your own, your own health expert because no one knows your body better than you. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I just needed that awareness because I didn't, I, I can't even remember whether I knew ground living was a thing, maybe, but it was just not, it would have been something that wasn't for me um but it was last year during that time that I mentioned that I was I had in my awareness that you know I'm not moving much and I knew it I deep down I knew I wasn't and so I think it was week two of foot nerd training we had to monitor as part of the homework we had to monitor how much time we spent sitting down I was like holy shit because I'd be driving my kiddie to football practice for for instance um might be 45 minutes there 45 minutes back and then I'd get home and I'd be, oh, so I'm tired now. I'll have a cup of tea and sit down. Not really. I was sitting down, driving, that back and forth. And so when I really added it up, that was what made me, it was that awareness of, oh, my goodness. And so then, of course, I wanted to find ways. So I stand on my soulmate now at my desk. I, I um, sit down a lot, but also I stand up my standing desk. And it's more of a challenge now. I'm thinking, right. And, and I think the rebel spirit in me helps. It's all and that so I wasn't too bothered about being weird I was like I am the weird one (laughs) I'm gonna do this because I it is I feel like it is a rebellion to be take full responsibility of health and it's a it's a challenge it's it's not easy but um I think when you start seeing when you start learning about your body you start appreciating it more that's what it's done for me like my body's amazing and I'm not just saying it I am in awe at how incredible this body is and, and again the first principles just I think most of my life even though I have been quite alternative with holistic therapies and I've chosen the natural I'm kind of into herbs and all sorts of things but I always thought bodies went wrong really you know that that's something wrong with me there's something wrong but actually no it's the body's just doing what it does the mo- the best and it's working all the time to keep me alive all the time um, I I'm in charge of where I put it. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think that relationship is, uh, especially, um, sort of underlined with feet and, you know, there's almost this shame that people have about their feet when they do go wrong. And the problem is they start going wrong from such a young age, um, now because of the footwear that we're putting our, our feet into that. Yeah. I guess people you know, that there is this sense of like, 
it, it's broken, it's it's done, and particularly because there's something that we can cover up and hide, um, it, it's a lot easier to ignore those responses from the feet particularly and and just the stigma around feet generally i mean you as a reflexologist you would probably um be more aware than anyone you know engaging with people's feet how Mm. shameful some people are of just the appearance of them or the smell or um what they look like and 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 how they function um yeah i'd be i'd be intrigued to know what you've sort of encountered with people with that relationship with their feet Yeah, well, um, Ruth and Nick and I did a podcast on this. We did a podcast on shame and feet. And and this came up because people um, always apologize for their feet. It's like a a lot of the time, if it's the first time having reflexology, they're they're, because often I wash them first and it's it's always a really nice thing. Um, And sometimes people are a bit, yeah, like you say, ashamed or embarrassed or apologize. And, And so many people think, say to me oh how can you do that with feet (laughs) feet are horrible and it's um I love them (laughs) but I yeah it's a it is a thing of feeling embarrassed about them covering up and especially then I'm noticing it more now than ever um with you know adaptations such as bunions and and things like that and I I am viewing them in a different way so this time last year I I I kind of just thought it was normal and I'd probably go along with the hereditary, you know, genetic thing as well. Um, and now it's, and that's the thing that I'm getting passionate about too, thinking I had brilliant training as a reflexologist. Like the, the guy that trained me is just, um, he's been doing it for a long time and there's thousands of reflexologists here in the UK, but I don't, I've never um, been told <laughs> or um, even seen anyone wearing shoes that actually fit their feet <laughs> and I'm thinking wow this information um, and it's not anyone's fault it's like we once we know better we do better especially sort of healers or reflexologists that that work with feet and I love them so much um, need to become aware of of our footwear and what we're putting them in you know so yeah, it's, it's incredible information. Can you can you give a bit of background on what reflexology is for for those of us who you know who may not have a, a deeper understanding of the, the the whole concept behind it, and and also just on that point, I mean, what I would find fascinating about something like reflexology and and even a massage therapist who is working with feet, it almost seems. Um, unfair maybe that's not the right word but when people come to uh to have an experience like that or to get treatment like that it's almost like i can imagine their feet must be so tense and so rigid because of the the shoes that they've been wearing to to properly be able like any other body part to properly be able to relax and get the most out of that Mm. experience it yeah it, it, it almost seems like a lot of the time you may be one step forward, two steps back with that process because you could do all of this work and then the feet end up in, in something unnatural again and, um, you know, I guess could undo some of the, the work that you've done. I'd, I'd be intrigued to know, yeah, to know how that may impact it as well. Well, 
Honestly, Mac, that is where I'm at right now because obviously I joined the Foot Collective in February and I've done, so didn't really hear of you, joined, and now we're only in, you know, August. And so I'm now, as a reflexologist, thinking I'm treating symptoms, like I'm treating symptoms often, which is nothing wrong with that either because sometimes it's, um, people come with pains or, or often reflexology is excellent for fertility and hormonal um, um, issues and also like you, you say sort of relaxation and just having some attention actually you know it's it's a beautiful therapy but when someone comes with hip pain or you know other lower body issues um, using reflexology for pain management is just not feeling and I've not really said this sort of publicly really, but it's not, it doesn't feel an integrity anymore. And it's almost like people need to go to the foot collective (laughs) and work through the explorer journey and they need to move and they need to take their feet out of the shoes. And so, yeah. um, I would challenge you on that point though. Okay. In that the foot collective was born out of a necessity for this message to get around. And it originally started out of, practitioners of all different backgrounds who aligned with Nick's way of thinking about the feet. And while you may not be able to fix them in that session, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you may be treating symptoms in that session because you now have the education behind you and you can pass that education on to anyone that you treat. What, your session can foster isn't just about treating the symptoms, but it's hopefully starting them on their own journey of understanding about the feet. And I think that's, you know, regardless of what your background is as a, as a specialist, I think that's where the real power of the foot collective comes. It's not about, you know, maybe it is referring them to to the community or referring them to, to other specialists, but, at its core, really, if you're able to, like you said, just let someone experience how important their feet are and how good it can feel if you take mm. care of your feet and then nestle in there a bit of education about the fact that the reason you're probably here isn't just because your hips or your knees or your ankles have an issue, but this is all connected and, mm. you know, it starts here and hopefully just by them just it comes back to just loving your feet a bit more like yeah that's that's one of the beauties of what you can offer Mm -hmm. no absolutely totally yeah and and like you said before um about when well the, the feet need some love but when reflexology just go back and explain a little bit about it so it's um it's so much more than a foot massage. Some people think, oh, it's just foot massage. And although at the end there, there might be like, you know, a little bit of, that's uh, really, really nice to have a, a foot massage. But it's more, um, it's got its roots in actual med- medicine. So a lot of the, the doctors along the way, it's got kind of different. Um, so actually there's a, I can't remember the name of the doctor, but he was the one that founded proprioception and he was involved in reflexology. And he, they discovered that the feet are, um, it works on the premise that the feet are a map of the body and so that um, 
there's certain areas or reflexes on the feet that correspond to organs and sections of the body, a bit like Chinese med- acupuncture, acupressure, um, so on the meridians. And so, again, you know, people have, um, some people might be skeptical, although these days reflexology is quite widely accepted, even with the NHS here, it's quite accepted because of the um, results that people had, especially, like I've said before, um, fertility and um, all sorts of things, really. But there's a, a set way when um, when I do somebody's feet, we're we're kind of in a way opening them up, like it's opening them up a little bit, like you know, when you we use a cork ball, um, which I've never really done before before joining the Foot Collective, but we're doing it, it manually as well in. And sometimes people can experience um, pain or kind of like a feel of a bruising or sensitivity in certain areas. And it's actually just, it never fails to blow me away sometimes because I feel, especially after seeing so many people's feet, I sometimes can tell people, um, obviously I would never diagnose or anything like that, but it, it feels like sometimes I know the person because of their feet. And so sometimes you see so many different types of feet, but there's, um, you get used to kind of put it this way. I, I believe that they're, they show a lot of the personality <laughs> and it, it can sound a bit strange, but when you, when you see so many feet and just see how, not just the shape, but the color and the texture and, and how, how strong or how sensitive they are. Um, there's, there's a lot of reflection there with, with a person. And, and so then this is why as well I'm passionate about all of this, all of this work, because our feet being our foundations, you know, when they really are free and they are strong, I am resilient, like those qualities, free strength and um, freedom, strength and uh, resilience. I do believe that at some point it will be reflected in our lives. You know, it's just that it's quite a big, um, a big thing to start there. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think the beautiful thing is paying, and we, we said this on the podcast, paying attention to these neglected parts of ourselves and um, and really appreciating them again. And, and it is a privilege to be able to do that. And I, I love it. We wanted to take a quick break from the episode to let you know about our ultimate free foot health resource. If you're listening, you've probably already started the journey towards improving your foot and movement health. But if you're still wearing conventional shoes most of the time, that's anything cushioned, healed, narrow or rigid, it's kind of like taking one step forward and two steps back. Knowing what shoe is right for you though can be super confusing. That's why we made the Guide to Foot Freedom. We've taken everything our team of foot health experts have learned over the years and synthesized it into one handy manual, packed with all you need to know about unleashing the natural power of your foundation. You'll learn how to understand your feet, the truth about modern footwear, the five F's for finding natural footwear, plus a step-by-step guide with training videos to help you assess your foot function and improve it so you can safely and seamlessly transition into shoes that will finally give your feet freedom. The best part is, like I said, it's absolutely free. Just head to thefootcollective.com and click learn to find the free ebook, The Guide to Foot Freedom. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. And I think it's the reason we're doing these podcasts as well. And, uh, you know, 
Ren is a, a great example, um, and, and Jim's another example. I, th- I think there's power in people seeing what's possible as well. Um, you know, while it may seem so far down the road um, and so far out of reach, just knowing, you know, that the feet are capable of doing these incredible things, uh, that alone can can sort of shift the narrative. And even even to a lesser degree, just if you're seeing someone who is, is maybe around your age or has maybe had a similar life journey as you and, and can see that, you know, you with your own health journey have been able to start to understand what's going on with your back. And, um, you know, yeah, I, th- I just think there's, there's real power in, in, in hearing stories that resonate like that. Um, and you're right. I, it, it would be fascinating to just get to know someone through their feet. I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it's a really you it's a really unique way of sort of approaching it. We, we haven't really spoken to a reflexologist on the podcast before. So I think um, it, it's, it's cool to come at it from a different perspective, but yeah, mm. I, I would, I wouldn't want you to be disheartened because I think there is, there's just so much potential to help people and in ways that don't necessarily like, I, I think that's what the whole Explorer program and the foot nerd training really teaches you. And, and sort of what you've outlined already is it like, this is a, slow process this isn't going to happen overnight um people reach out to practitioners regardless of what they do uh, a lot of the time for that quick fix and if the one nugget of information they can leave your you know your treatment room with is the the knowledge that that this isn't the end of it you know that no uh, yeah that, that there's a lot that you need to do to, to restore all of the above. And um, yeah, I mean, on the flip side, obviously you're seeing people who are in pain or, or you know, are looking for, for solutions. Um, as a mum with two young boys who very gratefully are yet to experience any of the above, um, what perspective has the foot nerd training and being a part of the foot collective given you about your own children's health and, and foot health, do you think? Oh, just, well, they love it. Um, they're all, they love the soulmates. Um, and more than anything, I, I, I just, I'm so grateful that they've got to, to do this journey with me. So they recently did a, foot, a shoe review as well on, um, with Ruth and, and I, and that was funny because that, that just funny um so my oldest who's 11 he's a football player like he's a goalie he loves football and at the moment he's um at football camp more or less every single day so he's in normal football boots <laughs> even though he wears now he's got his vivos he's got his saguaros he's got but he wears normal football boots we're waiting for the natural athletics i think and it's september i think we're, so he hopefully will be one of the first kids in UK because um, to t- try them, although he's a bit apprehensive because he doesn't know how he- he'll be received with them. But um, so that's one thing I, I we do have with him. We now have a bit of a practice that, and it's fallen into a habit that he doesn't put his football boots on until he's literally ready to go and play. 
takes them off afterwards and then he does a bit of human toast breading and and you know does all of that um and they're just more aware of their feet and so um I've shown them as well um pistol squats and dragon squats and so that they're, they're able to do those and they go to crossfit and um it just fits with their they're quite active anyway and their dad's an iron man and, and he's done world championship iron man but it's it's funny because it, they've just embraced it all they've they've embraced it all and it's quite natural to them they sit in the squat position they just sit there and more than anything i'm i'm they're inspiring me more than more than anything um but it's been a big change for all of us because we literally transitioned out of shoes, got rid of all shoes, got rid of, apart from the football boots, we more or less got rid of all shoes very quickly. And um, and then they saw us remove the, the table and check. They love it because the soulmates are always in here now. And so we're throwing hacky sacks and doing these things. And I, and I just think it's a no-brainer for the children. Um, and I was going to say this earlier as well. When when Just now, when you mentioned about there being a slow process for people, um, the fun aspect, which I know is what TFC, one of the values of TFC, just it's, I mean, it might be a slow process, but it doesn't have to be the experience that I had of that. Nothing wrong with going to the CrossFit gym and doing that. But what if it could be as fun as balancing every single day? Because what I noticed, um, sorry if I'm flipping <laughs> from no, subjects, no, no. but what I noticed as well, like I've said, it felt a bit overweight unfit standing on the soulmate and practicing I started to notice my inner th- I started to notice my legs getting stronger like I didn't have to, that wasn't work that's fun so my body is getting stronger and fitter and I'm feeling better through the opposite of what I was trying to achieve you know just by these simple practices that actually I probably at one point wouldn't have even looked at because they're too simple I thought I needed hard. I thought I needed something complicated or Instagrammable or whatever. It's it's balancing on one leg with my eyes closed while the kettle's boiling. Like it's this is for everybody, and um, and that's the important part is like we have a habit as society to just push ourselves too hard. We just we love to work hard because there's almost some inherent pride in being the hardest worker and and grinding ourselves to a pulp and often that leads to injury which then stops us or or burnout if it's in a work sense you know we push ourselves to the limit and then we can't do what we love doing or what you know what was giving us joy because we pushed ourselves so so hard and we've taken the fun out of it Um, and the body's the same but I I think that is yeah that is the key really is especially if people experience it, like they, they just have to experience it to understand that. But if you spend five minutes balancing, it is, it is a workout. It, and the beauty of balancing on a soulmate or a balance beam is that tool is your teacher. Um, rather than having to pick up, you know, and, and adding weight to your training is always going to, to help you progress and, and get stronger. But just for, for people setting out like if you fall off that's your sign that you know that that's the limit of where you currently are but you're able to adjust your training so that you can keep pushing that limit and mm-hmm. it's it seems simple but 
it's those little wins that you have along the way and the, the, the little successes and you go, oh, I could do it for 30 seconds now or I could do it for 60 seconds yeah. or, you know, I can flick the hacky sack and catch it. It, it all, it's, it's about just little, little wins along the way. And the beauty of what you're doing with your kids as well is you weren't going to get that in the CrossFit gym. You weren't going to get the joy of being able to play with your kids. You, you, you may have in, in, in some uh, niche CrossFit gyms. I'm, I'm not sure if there, you know, that there's probably are some out there, but you're able to do this in your living room um, and muck around with your kids and it doesn't feel like work, but it's, it's definitely yeah. helping your physical health, but just the health of the family as a unit. Yeah. Absolutely. And like I say, my ex-husband's uh, an Ironman and I, and at first I, I was, I wasn't sure whether he'd be even listening. You know, I can help you improve your, you know, <laughs> improve your <laughs> running for instance, or your balancing. And I think, um, like what you just said, you can lift the heaviest weight in the world or be the best at whatever. Some of these basic fundamental things, I'm noticing that a lot of people now are actually coming back to these base um, basic but fundamental things. Um, but yeah, having having fun with it all is uh, is important, I think. And if you develop that joy for it early, like I'd be fascinated to see your kids in 10, 15 years' time um, because I feel like if you discover that early and keep doing it, then it's a lot less likely to, to drop off. Um, and it's a lot more likely to pass on through generations. And then you have, you know, generational health built on a basis of the joy that you found in it as a kid and wanting your own children to experience that. And I think that the crucial part is not forgetting because I think so many of us enter high school uh, after, you know, being in, in school and we with your kids being unschooled, like, a, you know, it's probably a lot less likely to happen, but school, high school, into university, the fun gets really ground out of us and we forget what that play feels like. And if we can just not forget, <laughs> then I, I think yeah. that's a big solution to the overall health problem because Absolutely, that, yeah you know, that transition is, is sort of what takes the fun out of it for all of us. And um, we end up playing sport, but mm. a lot, even, even sport these days for a lot of kids is, is work-based. It's not, it's not for the joy of it. It's about making that team and, you know, beating that team and um, getting to the next level. And um, again, probably driven by parents who've forgotten what fun is <laughs> because, Oh, um, absolutely yeah you know they've been working drills it's drills and it's it's not play, just playing and, and we have this conversation a lot with with bear so my oldest his name's bear he actually said to me today mum, if you don't use it you'll lose it and so like this is and i i it's only really conversations like this that remind me how powerful our kind of lifestyle is as well in in them not going to school amid, amid the wobbles there are wobbles sometimes but their, this is their education. <laughs> so the fact that chairs destroy hips, really, chair sitting, nothing wrong with chairs, but 
they're, this is being ground. This is going to be just a no-brainer for them, hopefully. Um, like you say, I'm interested to see what they're like in 15 years because they're going to go off and do their life. Um, and they don't have to, I've said to Bet, you don't have to wear barefoot shoes, you know, like don't let me, um, push this onto you, but it's, I think they see my passion and enthusiasm. And as with always with parenting, it's, it's mainly about the example anyway. You know, if I can just be seen to be showing up for myself, my body, then because I was raised and there was a lot of rules and regulations and they, so as soon as I was free, I went and did every, like I completely rebelled and it wasn't helpful. <laughs> and so hopefully it would just be, because it's a way of life, it would just get carried, um, carried along um, a lot of this. So Yeah, definitely. And again, for a lot of kids, it, like you said, it's inherent. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot easier for children to trans- transition to barefoot shoes when they're young because a, a their feet aren't as stiff and weak as, as when we get older, but also it just feels better for kids because their feet are still quite wide and, and, and that's the way they're naturally meant to be. And um, I was very fortunate that I grew up, you know, in Queensland, sunny Queensland, where shoes were optional and we were barefoot at the beach and and camping and it was never you never even second guessed going barefoot um but yeah obviously like you said the the strict rules and regulations of modern schooling mean that you've got to wear certain types of shoes and and then the unspoken rules and regulations of the workplace suggest that you need to wear a certain type of shoe as well. And um, yeah, it, it's so subtle that that process that um, I think, yeah, I think it just, it, it's really key to just, just keep remembering um, and, and not mm. forgetting um, because then you don't need to have that moment like you had where it's this light bulb uh, breaking point sort of, awareness that that is spawned and i think as as horrible as the pandemic was globally for so many people i think how unnaturally we were all forced to live really you know drove many people to that point of awareness of of being you know kept inside and uh you know very controlled in in that nature it's it's almost a metaphor for your feet, you know, um, and, and how trapped our feet have been in these shoes for so long. And um, I think just globally there, there's been a, or we're, we're in the process of a shift um, to, to a more natural way of health. And um, who better to learn that from than the children who haven't forgotten yet? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I completely agree. Um, the child, I see little kids all the time, little toddlers, always, I was speaking to Ruth about this the other day, always wanting to take their shoes off. At the part, always. And and I love what you said about being grown up barefoot. My friends that, um, that I know of, grew up in Australia, they're the same. And it's like, we're not like that over here, unfortunately. Um, mainly because of the weather, I think, but it's just not normal. Um, but yeah, the little kiddies, they just, 
know inherently that it's not natural to wear shoes. They are constantly wanting to, the little, little ones, they want to take their shoes off. And I love it sometimes. I was at the park not so long ago and a little girl wanted, she just did. She didn't ask. She just took her shoes off and her mum just let her carry on. And I said, yes. (laughs) Um, I think some of it's because of glass and, you know, there are, some of the parks are just got glass in and I understand the people's concerns. Um, But then, yeah, it's, uh, they know the kiddies. Same with hats. You notice babies never want to keep their hat on because <laughs> they just know it's not part of my body. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. This is sort of what it comes down to. Um... Uh, yeah, it's always that that conversation you have that what if you step on this or what if you step on that? And a lot of it just comes down to awareness. And um, look, to be honest, as a kid, you may step on something once and that's the only way you learn. Um, hopefully the first time you step on something, it's a bindi. And, you know, they, they call them bindis here, like a prickle, uh, like a... <laughs> Yeah, um, but, you know, hopefully it's something that just gives you that awareness to go, okay, I'm going to have to step, watch where I step. Or the parents communicate that to the kids. So, um, And I definitely... Like I was just going to say that I think the more time I spend barefoot um, and then when I put on shoes, I find myself tripping over in shoes so much more these days than I used to um, just because I don't think, well, the awareness isn't the same as when you're walking barefoot. Um, So, yeah. My feet now, because I've been, because we've had summer here more or less, spring and summer since joining Foot Collective, I have been mostly barefoot. I have hardly worn shoes um, and my feet don't like shoes now. It's, they've changed. So much has changed since, since um, going barefoot, but it, it, they just don't like being in case, let alone my old cowboy boots and my Converse, which is what I lived in before. Cowboy boots. I loved <laughs> them, but just so different now that my feet, there's no way they would let me be in them. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, <laughs> My partner, we love to do a bit of op shopping. Um, so like going to, uh, you know, secondhand stores and opportunity shops and trying to find bargains. And um, yeah, we, we were there the other weekend and we were with a, a group who, you know, my close friends who aren't all on the barefoot train yet. I'm, I'm doing my best, but mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're cowboy boot wearing uh <laughs> girls and um oh there was there was a pair of shoes that tam my partner picked out and uh it's really funny she's well aware of what i'm going to say now when she whenever she asks what do you think of these shoes and uh she's prepared for me saying yeah they're really nice but maybe not for your feet um so it's uh but it it is it's it, it all comes down to circumstance and it's the same with your boys with the football boots and you know even if 
there was was to never be a pair of football cleats that um, were wide enough and barefoot enough to let the feet do what the feet should do. There are certain shoes where, you know, circumstances call for them. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's the key message is like, if, you, if you're going to a wedding and you feel the desire to wear a pair of high heels or if you're playing a soccer game for 90 minutes, um, it's what you're doing for the other 22 and a half hours of your day when you're not wearing them. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, you're not going to yeah. do detrimental impacts to your foot health from slipping them on once in a while. Uh, and it's this, yeah, it, it comes back to everything we've talked about today with the chairs and the beds and, uh, you know, whatever other aspects of your lifestyle it may be that um, aren't quite natural enough as, as long as you're not <laughs> doing them all the time. Um, yeah, it, that's that's really what's most important. And, and that all comes just back to awareness. And I yeah. think it's oh, one of these absolutely. things that, with your own kids you'd see and you know what you're noticing with just the little kids in the park is um, the more aware that uh, people become and people stay about all of these things then the easier it's going to be to live that lifestyle and then the more aware society becomes as a whole the easier it is to to live that lifestyle like you said with your boy about you know, the fear of judgment of wearing football boots that are different to other kids. Um, you know, it's it's sadly a part of, of this whole um, change that we need to confront because uh, the pressures of fitting in, are, you know, are just evident in every mm. aspect of our life. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it, how it works with him because... The closer it gets to September, because he knows I'm going to be ordering them in September, and I've just I have kept saying you you don't have to wear them. You know he's got new ones at the moment, like Predator, whatever the what I won't even say what they are. But they, <laughs> they squash his feet, but um, he'll either pull it off and just and the kids could either be impressed and then it could catch on with them, not all of them, but maybe some of them. Um, because Bear doesn't go to scores, he hasn't got that as much peer pressure. You know, a lot of our, it's, it is very different. Um, but, or it could just be like he'll, yeah, he won't. But I'm interested to observe him, you know, without judgment, without pushing, and just to see what happens, you know, he can have them. Because we spoke about what if he just wears them for matches or or not, not his cool football camp, but he could just wear them for training. And, but... I've said, well, what if you explain to them why, like, why are you wearing them? Because you're not wearing them because your mum tells you, are you? You know, I don't want him to wear them because mum told me to. I want him to wear them because he cares about his feet and he actually wants to be a better athlete because he's going to be have be more mobile. He he under, he's starting to really understand the bigger picture with his own body and how he could be a faster runner and he he could be um, prone to less injury and all of these things, but. It's going to be interesting to observe him. He's a good, he's an, a good eleven-year-old. Like he, he does listen to me, but I, I also want to make sure I'm not being really controlling because, um, like you say, it's no, it's not the stress and the disconnect is far, far worse than, you know, wearing football boots. 
it's something we, yeah, we obviously are big believers in and, and keep coming back to um, as a company and, you know, as a community. That, that's all just comes down to education. You know, it comes down to knowing the reason you're doing what you're doing, not just doing it because you've been told to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... Yeah. Absolutely. That is the new model that we're trying to do. That's what's happened with your own health journey is knowing what's going on with your body because you deeply understand what's going on, not just because it's being told to you by an expert. And yeah. we take everything at face value from people who we believe are more qualified to have the solutions than we are. Um, but whether you're a kid, you know, deciding what shoes you want to wear to school or if you're someone with chronic pain who is trying to understand what's been going on with their, their body. If you have an understanding and, aw- and an awareness, you're going to make decisions that are better for your health just, just based on that understanding. But that then very quickly can spread amongst your friends and your family and your community because you're armed with the education you're able to then pass on to them and, you know, I've said it before on this podcast and I'll say it again, like that is how we, we change this narrative and that's how we make um, the real impact when it comes to feet and, and, and overall body health is just word of mouth and people experiencing it and then passing that on and passing that yeah. on and passing that on. And, and that's what this is all about. So I guess my last question um, I like to ask in these stories from the soul is just, you know, what you would say to someone who is potentially in your position, whether they're a mother with young kids or whether there's someone who's experienced chronic back pain or um, they're a reflexologist or a practitioner who uh, is maybe a little disheartened with the the way that their practice is, is being implemented or, um, you know, I guess what would you say to those people to to get them on side or to, to convince them to join the collective and, and to start putting their feet first. So you froze a little bit when you asked the question. So just in summary, was it if it was someone in back with back pain? Well, whether it's a, yeah, whether it's a mother with young kids, someone with chronic back pain or, you know, a reflexologist or other practitioner who, um, yeah, who is maybe feeling a little disheartened with their practice or, you know, not feeling like they're on the right path. What what would you say to them to encourage them to start putting their feet first and, and taking their own journey? Um, oh, that's a good question. I feel like this might not be the answer, but it's just popped into my head that... Um, a lot of the time I'm barefoot and, and because I'm barefoot, people, it starts, starts the conversation of why, why are you barefoot or why are you wearing those shoes? And so firstly, for me, just being the, being the example of it is sort of proving already to me the people are saying why, and then I give them my why, which is what you were speaking about just now, just having that, a reason for doing what you're doing, an intrinsic reason for doing it. Um, but I think if I was going to try and convince them, it's more probably to do with my own experience of knowing that the feet are the foundations of the body, 
but and knowing through reflexology that they're connected to all all parts of our body but on a physical level when you start to really see uh, dis-ease like bunions for instance all the all the dis-ease and the suffering so much of it not all of it but so much of it comes back down to paying attention to our foundations or or you know we know it's more than than that sometimes with our hips and other things but but the concepts there of going to the feet first um and and looking at those and 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 also the concept of freedom I hang around with a lot of people who whose freedom is a lot of their value they value that and so it's foot freedom is kind of like fundamental to that like are we wearing shoes that fit our feet or or that squash them and um I don't know I'm I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty pushy sometimes when it I'm passionate when it comes to these things pushy slash passionate um it doesn't take long to sort of have a conversation but I think I would just more than anything it's being the example I think absolutely well said well thanks so much for having a chat Michelle um I'm really yeah grateful that you've been such a yeah a passionate slash pushy member of our community. <laughs> um, we need more people like you. And yeah, I hope your story uh, reaches people who need to hear it. So you go get some sleep. It's very late there. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be over your side of the world soon enough and we can catch up in person. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Thanks, Max. Thanks for tuning in to the Restore to Explore podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review wherever you're listening. That's the best way to support us and to help us reach more people. If you're after more free TFC education or training, looking for any of our TFC tools, natural footwear discounts, or you want specialized guidance on your foot health journey from a trusted TFC health professional, head to thefootcollective.com. All of the important links are in the show notes of the episode.